Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I am so glad you set aside the time and you're tuning in today. So grateful and really excited to share this episode with you. Before we get to it, I wanted to share a free resource that I have that I think you will really love. I took everything that I know about triggers and overstimulation as a parent and how that can sometimes show up as anger and rage. And I turned it into an ebook. Now this ebook is kind of like a quiz, kind of like a choose your own adventure model. And basically you learn what your triggers are and a little bit about those triggers and why this might be a trigger for you. And you're also supported in guidance and what you can do next to do the deeper work, to do the deeper work in breaking the cycles and in making a change when it comes to your relationship with these triggers and with anger and overstimulation. So Go check out the link in the bio. I really think you'll find so much value in this resource. It's free. Go get it and let me know what you think. You can connect with me either in a DM on Instagram, send me an email. I love staying connected to you in other ways beyond the podcast. And if you are hoping to do some deeper work around triggers, parenting, mental health relationships, and if you are a California resident, We are accepting new clients in our group practice here in California. It's virtual, so you can be based anywhere in California. It's a group of six of us. We're all moms. We all specialize in working with parents, everything from anxiety to relationships to trauma, birth trauma, pregnancy loss, setting boundaries with in-laws, whatever the case might be, we're here for you. Check out the link in the show notes to connect with me via my website. You'll reach me directly and I will support you in taking the next step to find the right therapist, whether that's me or another one of our amazing therapists in the practice, I'll support you taking that next step. You're so worthy of this kind of support. And if you're based in California, we would love to connect with you. Okay. In this episode, we are talking about parenting when things don't go as expected. So unexpected challenges or diagnoses. And to support us in exploring this complex topic, I invited back onto the podcast, Dr. Kelly Fraden. I previously had Kelly on the podcast to talk to us about the global pandemic when it first hit and we were all very scared and confused and had a lot of questions. She's a pediatrician and she brought so much comfort in that episode and has since written a book called Advanced Parenting, Advice for Helping Kids Through Diagnoses, Differences, and Mental Health Challenges. In this episode, she shares with us first some of the challenges and diagnoses that might bring a family to her office. So you can kind of get a sense pretty quickly if this episode and this conversation is going to relate to something that you yourself have experienced. Then we'll explore some of the common emotions that a parent might go through when an unexpected diagnosis, health challenge is experienced, and some steps that parents can take to get support, make a plan, work together, and show up for their kids and themselves when the unexpected happens. 
you're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, Dr. Frayden. Thank you so much for taking the time to come back. Back on the podcast, I am really excited again to connect with you and dive into our topic today. Thank you so much for making the time. Yeah, of course. I'm thrilled to be here um, connecting with you and uh, joining your conversation. So for the listener, we've done an episode together before, but could you provide a little bit more information for the listener tuning in today about who you are and what you do and what lights you up? Yes. Um, So I am a pediatrician in New York City, and I'm the parent of a five-year-old and a nine-year-old. And I also um, am a survivor of childhood cancer. And, you know, I think in the past, in past iterations of my career, I worked in uh, hospitals supporting children with chronic medical conditions and public health work um, with children who have um, diagnoses. And so Um, In the recent time, I've really been focused on finding ways to better support parents when their children face challenges because, you know, I saw firsthand how hard it was on my parents and the whole family system when I had a diagnosis as a child. Um, So I I recently have written this book, Advanced Parenting, which talks about like what to do when you're navigating the unexpected as, um, as a parent and how to kind of roll with it and communicate and cope and plan, all those things. Mm, it's such a needed resource. And I think you're the perfect person to write this book. And I'm really excited to get a chance to to dive in here with you. So talk to us a little bit about what some of these unexpected challenges, diagnoses that might bring a family to your office might look like so that the listener can maybe place their own experience or an experience of a loved one into why this book and this conversation is for them. Yeah. So, you know, as a pediatrician, what would happen is in my office, I would meet with parents, you know, maybe they were concerned about their child's developmental delay or their child's mental health or or their child's learning struggles and and we would um identify you know a need for um a diagnosis or for referrals or for services or medication and and i would you know see parents kind of like with this shell-shocked look of like their eyes being wide and like you know, because they're not just co- like learning all this medical or educational information about their child. They're also like thinking through 
all the other stuff they already had on their plate before this, the, the other children in the household, their own jobs, their own um, needs that they have to take care of themselves and their, you know, their marriage or their co-parenting situation. And so it was frankly that I didn't want parents to be like alone for those next steps that I wanted to make a resource to support them. Um, okay. So like uh, what I'm hearing is like, you know, this, this book and this work that you're so passionate about is, is really for those parents who come in and with any sort of, whether it's learning differences or mental health or medical conditions. And it's just, it's, it's the unexpected, right? Like it's like you're you're just trying to navigate parenting at, with all the challenges that already come with it, and then now you're entering this whole new world of trying to find like resources to learn about a specific potential like diagnosis or or challenge. Figure out where where like you know what kind of things we need to put in place to support our child. And while navigating everything else that comes with something unexpected, like relationships and uh, school and boundaries and navigating communication with not just family systems, but the system that you're now navigating, the healthcare system, all of that. Is that is that is that right? Yes, absolutely. And the truth of the matter is that parents often put themselves kind of like last on the family uh, to-do list and priority list, even more so when their child is facing something. But the truth of the matter is that we need to give ourselves grace to cope with this stress um, so that we can be in a place to make all the good decisions and and to find all the right resources and to like support our child in their in their ups and downs associated with it. So, so to do realize that like you can't be like an instant expert and you can't have like an instant download of all the knowledge you might need. And that it's okay if you're like sad or scared or frustrated or angry about your child having to deal with this and that, um, that giving yourself a moment to feel that before you just dive into supporting your child in the long run, it might, um, it might help both you and your child um, through this. This is really bringing me back, I think, to our first conversation when we were talking about navigating COVID. And I think that one of the big takeaways in that conversation with you was we like we're not we're we're navigating this right alongside with our children, right? But if mm-hmm. we aren't taking that pause to like ground ourselves and take care of ourselves and our needs, then it's going to be really hard, right, to help those around us um, and help our children through this. And so, okay, what what are some of the common? You said you said bug eyes, right? You see the big like eyes looking at you, like oh my gosh, like this was not where I was anticipating landing in my parenting journey, right? Like so, what what do those big eyes represent to you? What are some of the different common emotions that you see parents um, navigating. And then what is, what like, what do you, like, what, like really let's make self-care and taking care of yourself as a parent tangible. Like what does that actually look like, right? It's something mm-hmm. that we all hear, buzzwords, self-care, important. Yeah, got it. But what does it actually look like as a parent and especially as a parent with a child navigating, 
you know, a, a challenging situation. And so two question, two part question, what are some of those emotions and those big eyes that you're seeing? And then what does self-care actually look like for these parents? Yes. You know, so I think, um, I think the bug eyes that I see parents, um, normally that's coming from a place of feeling overwhelmed. Um, and, and that is to be expected and kind of a part of parenting, like who hasn't felt overwhelmed either with their child struggling with something like sleep or tantrums or meal times or, or, um, you know, academic success, but older kids, we all feel overwhelmed at points in our parenting journey. But what is different when you're facing a challenge sometimes is you're also um, worried about uh, exclusion and stigma. You know, there's this idea that like you had a vision for a maybe a typical parenting journey and this may or may not be um, going off the path of what you expected and you're worried about your child being left out or, or not having the full experience that you hope for them. And so, you know, sometimes those concerns are really valid and maybe your child might need to be in a different school or in a different environment to thrive with their challenge. And that can be hard for a parent. Or sometimes those concerns may be sort of like, you know, worst case scenarios that our mind leaps to right away when, you know, maybe you don't know anyone whose child has been diagnosed with a learning disability and now you're you're figuring that out. But then, you know, in a week or two, when you've had some time to process and talk with your support network, you might realize that you actually do know even adults who have, have had these challenges and moved past them. And, uh, but in those first moments, the uncertainty and the fear, um, it can be a lot to handle. Um, so, so I think practically, when a parent is facing these diagnoses, these diagnoses, one of the most important thing we we can do is adopt sort of the growth mindset, because it's very mainstream now that that's what we want our kids to do, right? To be like, I haven't figured this out yet, and you know that we should, as parents, give ourselves that same grace. It's like, yeah, I I don't really know yet what this is going to mean for us um and that's okay that like you you know that it's it's an uncomfortable space because we want to have a plan and we want to have certainty and we want to know our child's future but 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 it's not a realistic expectation so if we can take away that you know that expectation that we're going to just automatically know the perfect thing to do and all the perfect stuff um it can be, it can lessen our own expectations of ourselves, you know, that like it's going to take time and it's going to take effort. And the the other piece of that is that, that many parents automatically, when it's something super important for their child, think there's no one I can trust with this but me. I am alone in this. And um, that's normally like your gut reaction that no one can do it like you. Mm-hmm. But when you peel back the onion and give yourself some time to really process and push back against that belief, you, you know, the, that actually like the smartest parents, the the best use of your energy and time is often in building the network of who's supporting you and your family and like matchmaking between what your family needs and what other people can help you with, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not a sign of weakness for a parent to be like, I can't actually do all this. It's, it's, it's a, like, it's a smart thing to be like, what other resources can I draw in to add to what my mm-hmm. family's? 
um, needs are during this time. So, you know, your your neighbor who cannot um, help you plan ahead can help maybe with pickups or drop-offs or, or an hour gap in childcare that you're dealing with. Or like your grandparents who um, mean well, but maybe don't understand everything that's going on. They might be able to help with insurance busy work if you give them, you know, the information to do it, you know, so, so it's, it's not a sign of weakness to say like, I can't do it all. It's a sign of strength, um, you know, to, to acknowledge that you can't do it all so that you can find help. Mm, Okay. So here's a couple of, of things that I'm taking from everything you just shared. First, those like that bug eye moment, right? Where you just, you, you hear the news and, or you receive a diagnosis or you, or maybe you're not even there yet, right? But you are, you are kind of gathering from the pediatrician or whomever, whomever is there, you know, healthcare provider who is supporting you in, you know, that you're coming to with these questions or these concerns if there begins to be this sort of moment of like, there might be something going on here, right? That is off the path of what we anticipated, right? Um, Then that moment can feel like our stress response is going to ramp up, right? It feels like there is this potential threat of this unknown. And in moments of feeling like there's a threat or moments of where, you know, where our stress response is ramped up, we can get this tunnel vision, right? And that tunnel vision is like so helpful in moments when, say, you know, our house is on fire, right? And it's like, okay, I need like this, this is this is a threat. We're in this moment. It is happening. I need all of my options to be either like this or that, life or death, right? Like no room for zooming out and like seeing all the other creative options here. Like it's, you get very, very this or that, right? Um, And that tunnel vision can really serve us in those moments. But that same stress response can ramp up in your office when there isn't like our, our our home isn't on fire in that moment, but our body is still responding as if that is the case, right? And so we get that tunnel vision. We get that, you know, feeling, uh, you know, our heart starts racing, right? Um, We feel um, hot and sweaty. We feel that panicked feeling, right? And so what I'm hearing you say is that honoring that like, okay, gosh, like it makes sense that we are feeling those things in that moment. And you know what this is actually making me think of is something I recently learned in a workshop that I took from anti-racism educator Monique Melton, who was actually a guest on my last podcast about the roots of perfectionism. And in this workshop, she was talking about how, you know, when somebody is expecting and people ask, you know, oh, do you know what you're having? And a t- very typical response is, oh, we don't know yet, but we just, we just hope that the baby is healthy. And she was talking about how, um, in, in some ways, that's, that's, that's ableist, right? Like, it's like, it's saying that what I'm hoping for is health. And if, and then, and then what? If my child is anything but healthy, 
that I that this is that this child is is bad that I don't want this child that this that this is right like what does that mean then if a child is not healthy and so that teaching from her really struck me because I've said those things before and then for for my for, for my own children you know when, when my oldest was you know, when her kindergarten teacher was expressing, she came to the, you know, parent-teacher conference with this, these notes of all these observations that she had made around our child's speech and processing information. And I, I had that tunnel vision moment where I was like, this person has noticed that something is wrong with my child. We didn't notice this. What did we miss, right? Like, what does this mean? And then she did get assessed and she got a diagnosis. And I remember being with that teacher crying, just like so scared for what this was going to mean for her future of learning and also our relationship and understanding each other and communicating with each other. And I remember her teacher putting her arm around me and just being like, the thing is, Cassidy, is every kid has got their thing, you know? And like that, just that was a little opening for me of feeling a little bit less alone. And then I started I started to open up to supports. And I'll never forget a conversation I had with my friend, Rachel. She's been on the podcast. Um, if you go back and listen to our episode all about um, you know, uh, connecting to baby, um, because that was a hard thing for me in my journey. And she was a big, she, she played a big role in that. Um, but what, what she said to me was how cool it is that you now more intimately understand your child's experience. Right. And that just made me feel even more less alone. And it really, it, that really became a bridge for me to opening up to like you're suggesting here, right? Like taking a look at your support system and really taking time to identify who is in my support system and who can I enlist so that I'm not in this alone. Because yeah, if I'm looking at this lifelong thing that my child will be, you know, potentially struggling with, and I feel alone in it, of course I'm going to feel overwhelmed. And yeah, not everybody can show up in the same ways, but there is, like you said, that person who, you know, might not be able to be in that really vulnerable space with me, but could help with all the healthcare, like insurance claims and denials and navigating those pieces. And there's also the person who you know, I can be really vulnerable with, right? Or there's the person actually who I hadn't initially thought of, but might actually be really helpful in helping me find referrals because they kind of know that landscape of, you know, of therapy or of support. And so I, I really can relate to what you're sharing and really can appreciate those like the the steps that it kind of took to get there, but that there is so much hope in in walking that path and being able to zoom out after that initial sort of uh, threat state and recognizing that that's understandable, right? Like that's kind of a, like our brain's response and just trying to keep us and those that we love safe, you know? Because I think that initially I, I I did kind of feel shame for how frozen I felt in the beginning. But to understand it as like a very normal like response to stress and then name it 
and then be able to honor that I'm not, I, I'm not, we're not in a threat right now, right? I can zoom out and I can get support. Um, really, you know, honoring that journey for myself was part of the healing too. So ever since the pandemic hit, I have been really embracing my cozy era. <laughs> I live in cozy joggers. I can't even tell you the last time I wore jeans. <laughs> I spend a lot of time at home now. I work from home and I was on the hunt for something that was really cozy, but that I could also wear when I go pick up the kids from school or run to the grocery store. And this is where Cozy Earth came into the picture. Cozy Earth crafts luxury goods that transform your lifestyle. Like I said, I'm entering my cozy era. All of their products are made from responsibly sourced viscose from bamboo. They've been featured on Oprah's favorite things. <laughs> Oprah always knows what's up. So I own their jogger set. I also own some of their pajamas and their loungewear shirts. I've got my mom and my grandmother on board with Cozy Earth. My husband, for his birthday, I got him a jogger set because he was always a fan of mine and he loved the material of it and it's super breathable and he gets hot and sweaty. It's summer and he is still wearing his jogger set even though it's long sleeve because it really is so breathable. It like goes across seasons so you can wear it year round. I'm a huge fan. If you would like to learn more about Cozy Earth, go visit the link in the show notes. You can use the code DrCassidy35 for 35% off your first order. That's 35% off site-wide when you use the code DrCassidy35. Yes, I, I'm so glad you shared that. And and I think that the comment you made about, about the ingrained ableism is really important because, um, you know, when I was writing this book and talking about about supporting parents in this space, uh, you know, it came up, are we going to call it a, a, a problem? Because in the sort of traditional mindset, it, it's, you know, when you're in these situations as a parent, there's like some kind of problem and that's driving you to do something differently. But, but just that language in itself carries so much negativity and so much stigma that, um, you know, it's not a problem for your child to be who they are and have the needs that they are. Mm -hmm. um, and so we really have to like change the way we think about these conversations as in like, you know, the challenge is matchmaking our children for who they are with like the resources they need to, to succeed and what success looks like to them is, is, you know, is them being in an environment where they have everything that they need to, to live sort of their best life, whatever that may be. Um, and it it was a the biggest challenge of the book is like to speak to such a varied um experience mm -hmm. but but it, you know i was very worried about offending um parents who are looking for support in the book and who may have higher needs or lower needs or a bigger problem or a smaller problem or a you know but the 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 reason um that i tried to do it all in one book is because I did want to unify it as part of the parenting experience that we do, like you said, we all 
have stuff come up, you know, like nearly every pregnancy has like one good scare in there where a test comes back abnormal and you're not sure what to do next. And of course, you know, this generation of parents, we do more labeling and testing and assessments and we use more services than previous generations have have done. Um, and it's all with the good purpose of finding those resources and supports for parents and for kids. Um, you know, so we have to kind of accept that this is part of the parenting experience to do this and to have these moments of uncertainty and to learn and grow um, so that we can find all the resources we need for our family. But we don't want to, we don't want to um, overly panic or, or recede into a tunnel of, of fear. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're talking here about ways that parents can get support for themselves and care for themselves in the process of learning that their child is is facing a challenge in their life. And I'd love to hear any advice you have for how to, once we kind of ground ourselves, right, and get our own support, we got to do that first. Um, how to talk to our child and or siblings about the unexpected challenges, right? Because you named, you know, from your own experience that this has a, an impact on the whole family system, right? A child is, our brains are story-making machines. So the child who's experiencing this is is trying to make sense of it and mm-hmm. coming up with their own narrative of what this means about who they are and what this means for them and, and what their, this means for their life um, and their own identity. And then also siblings, right? So any any advice you have for how we can talk to our, our children and our siblings about these things? Yes. Uh, you know, in my experience, often parents, um, they hesitate in talking to the kids about stuff like this, especially at the beginning, because they don't have that confidence and certainty around what to say. But like you said, kids will invent stories when there's not information and kids kids mm-hmm. are incredibly perceptive. Yeah. So often they know more about what's going on. Even kids, you know, who, who can't express it verbally, they know by your body language and tension or by comparing themselves and their peers, they know something's different, something's going on. So often um, saying something is is better for the child than saying nothing. It makes it can make them feel safe. It can make them feel like there's an open place where they can ask questions and communicate. Um, because you want you want to be um, having that bi-directional communication where your child can ask you questions about things, and um, that can be a scary place to be as a parent too. Because often you don't know the answers, and you may not be sure what to say. Um, but often in, in the when I have my pediatrician hat on, I'm encouraging parents that like, it's okay if you don't, if you don't know, you know, you can model for your child that like, we don't always know, you know, what's going to happen and that's okay. And we can ask the experts um, who are helping us. Um, we can make a list of questions for the next time we see the doctor or next time we meet with the, the IEP team and the teachers. Um, and we can try to get the answers, but we may also just have to see how things go and we'll try this, and if this doesn't work, we can try something else, and and we'll keep working on it, um, and we're we're going to do this together. And that that like is the underlying message for most conditions that 
you know, they're not alone in it, that it's going to be okay, you know, that you're going to figure it out. Um, I think that those are like the, the highlights. And then, you know, the siblings, I, I really, um, it's a special corner of the book devoted to the siblings because uh, I had a, a, I didn't hear this term until I started writing a book, but, but um, somebody was like, oh yeah, the glass children. And I was like, what are you talking about? Glass children. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, because you, you know, the parents, they see right through them because they're focused on the child who has more, more immediate needs. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> like, but it's true that like, sometimes for very good reasons, a parent's focus is diverted to a child who has acute or pressing needs over the other children in the household. But what we know is that these, you know, quote unquote, healthy kids in the house, they are still kids. And they still need love and and support and attention and and um, they need to be allowed to be kids. You know, um, I've had um, you know we we often expect them to rise to the occasion to support their siblings in ways that sometimes aren't so developmentally appropriate. Like you know, like a a three year old um, sometimes is going to like hit. Um, when they're mad or frustrated and and if the the sibling is is somehow more vulnerable than another sibling that might be like thought of as really unacceptable but you still have to like normalize that like your three-year-old is three and like they can't always regulate themselves in a way that you would expect an older kid to even if it's for a really good reason um and so so part of why it's so important like we were talking about this for parents to you know, set some boundaries to find um, the right supports for their families is to preserve the bandwidth to also support um, the healthy kids in the household because their needs matter too. So talking about that is really important. we preserve bandwidth which I just love the way you phrase that is 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 honoring that we can't do this alone right um and so maybe if as we're going as we're doing the work of what you're recommending here looking at our support system and kind of identifying you know who in that support system can be enlisted within different ways of supporting us right there might be those folks who you know could take take one child out of the house, right? Um, or stay in the house with that child so you can have more one-on-one time with with the sibling, right? Um, and and really just preserving those that relationship and that quality time as well, okay? And also highlighting the point you made here of our children are observing, right? Like they they notice things. And this isn't to say that like, because I've been there, right, where we have these these big reactions, right, or we get triggered and we're reactive and they see us or they see us fall apart or they see us overwhelmed, right? Like the expectation was never perfection. And I think that it's, it's just – it's opportunities for us to show our humanity to our children. And part of that humanity is is honoring that we don't know all the things all the time, right? And um, – and giving them a chance to to experience us coming back and naming, oh, 
I was overwhelmed there. That might have been a little bit scary for you to see. I remember being a kid and being scared when I saw my parents overwhelmed too, right? And just naming it, naming the thing that they are experiencing, giving them, building that trust where like we can have these hard conversations, right, together um, and creating that safe place. And then, yeah, when we don't know the answers, saying, I'm so glad you asked me. This is such a good question. And I don't, I don't know the answer, but I want to find out. So, you know, let's find out together or let me, let me find some answers for you. And then we're going to come back and, and we'll have another conversation. Okay. You can always ask me these hard, these hard questions. I love your questions, right? Like just creating that safe space. Um, Okay. So let's say that the listener actually knows or loves someone who is navigating this. They have a child who is navigating a, um, an unexpected challenge or diagnosis. What are some ways that somebody can be that one who shows up and offers support, right? Like maybe that person isn't coming out and saying what they need help with because a lot of us don't, you know, um, but how, how can we come step in and offer support and be that one who can come in and, and do something that's going to help that parent preserve their bandwidth? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, I think one thing we can do in our communities and amongst our friends, and and is to be open about our own struggles, right? Because I I know in New York City there are a lot of there's a, a lot of parents who feel pressure to um, have it all together and and act like they're you know, there's Pinterest perfect families with, with all their ducks in a row. But because sometimes people hesitate to share the tough parts of, of their family life with each other, they create this like false narrative that like you're the only person who has tough parts in your family life. And so I think when you're when you're trying um, to be a supportive member of your community, just to be open about the rea- reality of your family's journey, and maybe maybe your kids are maybe your kids are fine, you know, but but there's always stuff, and so you know maybe it's it's your siblings or your parents or your spouse or or yourself that you know you have hard stuff going on in your life too, and so just acknowledging that reality helps others to feel comfortable being themselves and being open about about the tough stuff they're facing um it i was with a group of moms this is probably a couple years ago now and it was like in september or october and their kids had all started kindergarten together and one of them was like yeah you know my daughter's having a really hard time separating and so i made an appointment to speak with the school psychologist and and i'm just gonna like figure out what to do about it and all the other moms were sort of like, you're going to get, you're going to meet with them, but then she's going to be labeled as like a hard child to deal with. And maybe the school will put her in a, you know, pigeonhole her as being like a difficult child and she'll have less opportunities to succeed later. And, and, and the woman who was seeking out that support for her child had the confidence 
and the self-awareness to be like, no, that's like why this woman has a job is to like help kids who are struggling to transition to a school environment. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing for me or my daughter to be ashamed of Mm -hmm. in seeking out that support. And what she did was so powerful in that moment because then it normalized for all these other moms. Maybe they, you know, I think it was her second or third kid, which is probably why she had the confidence to just own it. But then that whole group of moms was like, oh, oh, okay, so we can use the school as a support even when things aren't going well. Because I, so so I think that's that's kind of leadership and that's kind of, you know, wow. advocacy work, um, even though it's also just like chatting with her friends <laughs> at Dropbox. Yeah. But really, I think that that's where our agency and power can be, right? Is in these, mm-hmm. is in sort of these, you know, micro systems and micro moments, right? Where we take the vulnerable risk, but the meaningful risk of vulnerability, right? Of owning that, like, of taking some of the armor off, of having it all together. And saying, here I am in my whole humanity, here, here is my child in their full humanity, right? I'm not going to rob them of their full humanity either. And this is something we're experiencing or we're struggling with. And what I'm hearing you say is that that's then the bridge for others to feel like it's safe to take off that armor too. Because I've, there, I've never felt more alone actually than when I've been surrounded but armored up with the mask of perfectionism or of having it all together. And so it has been the most powerful healing connecting moments when I've taken that meaningful risk, right? Because it does, my, my whole body might say, this is risky, this is too much. What if they judge you? What if, what if they leave, right? Like what if you are left alone from this? And not everybody has earned the right to be invited into my whole humanity and experience and vulnerability, but honoring that some have, right? Or I can take the meaningful risk to open up, engage. Is this a safe place for me to show up as a full human and for my child to be a full human? Because those are all truly only the kind of connections in this one life we have to live that I want to give energy to, you know, it's like, let me show up in my full humanity. And, and doing that then provides opportunities for others too as well. And then we're all showing up in our full humanity. Like I want to be with the people who I know that my child can be all of their parts around without feeling ashamed, right? Um, and without feeling judged or feeling like they're too much. And so I love that your your advice for offering support is to actually first open up, be willing to be open up and be vulnerable ourselves. Um, and and I think that in that, right, we're 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 more likely to not do some of the things that aren't so helpful, right? Which is, you know, just try to paint a silver lining around someone's experience, or well, at least this, or at least that. And it's like, oh, just just let me be fully in the fact that parts of this are hard, right? And if it's hard, then we get to figure out where it is that we need support, if we can own that and honor that. And so I really, really appreciate that. Uh, Thank you so much for everything you shared with us today. Where can folks find you and find your book? 
Yeah, so I um, spend way too much time on social media. So I have the Instagram account advice I give my friends. That's the same on on Facebook. And then um, I have a, a website, Kelly Fraden MD2, where you can see a lot of my content. And there's links to, I have like a little newsletter I maintain. Um, and then the book, it, it should be like in a lot of bookstores and you can request it at your library and it's on Amazon and it's called Advanced Parenting. And I hope it, it leads people to find um, find what they're looking for, the resources they need for their family, or maybe it just like facilitates conversations and communities about how we can better support families when they're going through these challenges. Thank you so much. Dr. Fraden, so grateful to all the work you do out there. I'll be sure to share links to where folks can find you in the show notes so folks can head right there to make that connection. And again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air. And go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.